Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio, your source for breaking news, business trends, and economic forecasts here and abroad that impact one-third of America's economy. And now your hosts, Lou Weiss and Tim Grady. Thank you to our listeners and our downloaders who listen to this show after it is posted. We appreciate everyone who is listening to Manufacturing Talk Radio, and today we're going to get into the global picture on the purchasing managers uh, indexes that Norbert Orr, who is our senior correspondent, he is also the director of industry surveys for Strategus, which is an institutional broker and advisory firm. He tracks these, and we're going to get his insights, and I just want to ask you, Norbert, over the last three, four months, one of the reports that you produce and you share with the contributors to the report, which means the manufacturers, which they get for free, um, is a, something called a scattergram. And over the last three, four months, the scattergram has kind of looked like a flock of geese headed south for the winter. Uh, what does it look like from your point of view today? Actually, Tim, just to continue uh, your, your theme uh, it, it looks like the geese uh, decided that uh, they could go north much sooner this year uh, oh, because the, the chart is moving. In fact, it's it's one of the uh, uh, one of the amazing things about this type of methodology is it's it's so simple, but yet uh, it tells when major change is taking place. And I'll give you an example. Okay. Uh, this month. Uh, November, for the month of November, uh, we had, in manufacturing, we, we had expanding and strengthening that uh, seven industries were expanding and strengthening. On, on the opposite side, contraction, five industries were contracting, but they were all strengthening in their contraction. So okay. Now we've got a major move. We've got 12 industries all strengthening this month. Uh, last month, by comparison, was uh, nine industries. So all right. We see a, sig- a significant move in what's going on with uh, with manufacturing, both globally and domestically. Uh, so I think this indicates probably a, a bottom for sure. We probably reached a bottom last month. Uh, you had mentioned that last month, yeah. Norbert, and it's, it's interesting that you that you stated again this month, particularly in view of events today, with it looks like the trade war is finally getting settled out. Your December report could be quite interesting. Absolutely, and I was going to say when we talked about the last three or four months, what's been going on. You can throw that all out now uh, because we're looking at uh, uh, the uh, USMCA. We're looking at China deal. Uh, Looks like uh, Brexit finally is uh, accomplished in the UK. Uh, Right. They'll be be exiting. That's going to mean a major trade deal uh, for the U.S. And uh, we don't think of it in, in... terms of uh, uh, the U.S. Uh, 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 British relationship, how much of that really involves trade? Uh, but 
we have much better trading relationships with the UK than we do with the EU, for instance. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see us wind up with uh, uh, a uh, uh, an agreement with the UK that uh, has features tariff-free uh, relationship. Uh, so it, it could be big, and all of these things, I think. How much is going to help manufacturing? Uh, I, I think all of it helps manufacturing in uh, a lot of different ways. Uh, particularly, you know, uh, agriculture uh, generates a lot of uh, capital equipment and so on that uh, has, right. to, has to be bought. So uh, I, I think it's uh, very, very starting today. It's different, you know. I think probably we ought to uh, move up and and uh, do away with the 401k and go to a 601k, uh, <laughs> because uh, there's an opportunity there uh, for uh, all of us going forward, and when we see that kind of potential growth in the economy. Uh, Norbert, this is uh, Lou. Sorry for showing up uh, for your show late. Uh, this is uh, really a hell of a Friday the 13th. Seems <laughs> like a lot, of, a lot of good things happening. Right. A lot of a lot, a lot of good luck on a bad luck day. Yeah. Real, well, I I always liked the number 13, and Friday the 13th has always been good for me. So. Um, I, I think that uh, really there's some good stuff going on. Um, unfortunately, I don't know what uh, you and Timmy have been talking about for the last uh, six minutes. Um, so did we talk about the uh, the uh, Trump trade war ending China thing yet? Or We did not. We did not talk we did about not. that. Well, okay. Uh, then we then there's there's about, your favorite well, subject. Then <laughs> let me introduce that. Scattergram. Yeah. I'm so sure you're interested in, in that topic, and so we, we can talk about that. Let me let me set the stage for it a little bit. That'd be great. Uh, you know, anything like this, uh, uh, it's always controversial. Uh, from from my perspective, uh, uh, you know, uh, it didn't have a big impact on anything that I do, but it had a lot of impact on people that I, I work with and know and and so on from that. And it's a hard decision, but I think uh, uh, the, the administration played uh, the only hand that it really had, and that was uh, a tariff. And uh, the tariff is basically uh, it's 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 really no different than a value-added tax. And so a lot of other countries had the value-added tax. The good news is that we'll hopefully get rid of the tariffs, whereas they never get rid of the value-added tax. And so I guess there's a good reason, you know, to call it that way. But, but let's just look around. What we see right now environmentally, and I'm talking about economic environment, uh, in Asia – uh, the Europe and the U.S., the consumer is engaged quite heavily in every one of those economies. The consumer is doing well. I joked about a 601K, but uh, when people see wealth in their 401K, that tends to translate to uh, 
the willingness to uh, uh, spend what's in their checkbook. And so uh, that's, that's a real positive for the global economy and, and particularly for the U.S. Uh, because uh, we continue to, to do, uh, I think, quite well. Uh, all of this, you have to remember, is in an environment here in November where prior to yesterday and today, uh, business people in particular were, uh, uh, had a lot of doubts about, uh, you know, I always like to remind myself that uh, uh, uncertainty is risk that can't be measured. And, and that's where we were. Two days ago, we couldn't measure the risk. Today, we know what the points are that they're going to focus on. Uh, you know, I, I, I think we have to remind ourselves that there's no deal until it's, uh, until it's all uh, wrapped up, and then they perform on it, and they perform the right way. But nonetheless, uh, business people can start to think in terms of we've got something to work with and here's what we can do and uh, we're going to pursue more business in the UK, we're going to pursue more business uh, in Asia, we're gonna, we know exports of uh, foodstuffs are going to be up dramatically. Uh, then you take the Brexit. Uh, this, uh, we had a uh, event in London two weeks ago that I participated in, and uh, I was amazed when you uh, sit outside of the UK and, and listen to all the chatter supposedly about the U uh, about Brexit. Uh, in London, nobody talked about Brexit. Everybody talked about business was coming was starting to get fairly good, and uh, they were going to continue to. Uh, uh, push for the uh, Brexit to, to get that finalized and again remove that uncertainty from uh, the economy and this was particularly meaningful because um, Boris Johnson who's the conservative just absolutely crushed his opponent the Labor Party guy uh, Jeremy uh, Corbyn and so they have a very strong mandate in the UK that's not unlike the one that uh, Donald Trump perceives that he has in the US of getting rid of deregulation, improving uh, world uh, position in world markets and those types of things. Uh, we also had at the first of the month the uh, CFLP, which is the China Federation of Logistics and Purchasing, it moved from 49.3 to 50.2. That doesn't seem like a lot. In fact, mathematically, it's not. But uh, the Chinese indexes move in very small increments. And so for it to move above 50 and move five uh, or a half a point it is a significant happening. The other uh, China survey, the Kaishin, uh, came at 51.8, so it was even stronger. So we're seeing China improve. Um, uh, you know, then uh, lastly, uh, I saw some retail numbers this morning, and uh, one of the commentators said, "Well, this wasn't very good," and uh, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but uh, Thanksgiving came so late this year that Cyber Monday actually fell into December. So your comps 
aren't anywhere near what they would be otherwise because of because of the conflict between that so again overall things things are looking very good globally from that perspective well frankly you know on the manufacturing side of my company all metals and forge group which has had its difficulties over the last four or five months in the month of December the beginning of December and today is the 13th as I mentioned before it's looking like that the booking numbers for this company this month is going to be a record for the year so it seems as though that the low inventory status manufacturers have is beginning to break through and people are feeling confident enough and saying oh my god you know we're getting more orders we're beginning to put a lot of production out but we don't have enough inventory so there are orders now that are being really helter-skelter placed very quickly just over the last two weeks so you know it's a good thing but it's really a shocker inventory is like riding a roller coaster uh, first it pushes you hard to the right then it pushes you hard to the left uh, and, and you're always hit, hitting up against a wall trying to get the right numbers around inventory and I think right. the last couple of months, uh, all of the ISM data and the other data that we look at it would indicate that companies were trying to make a correction in inventory. But right. at the same time, they still had uh, a need for certain items and so on. So I, I think, uh, uh, again, it, when the uh, infield chatter gets as positive as it is the last couple of days, uh, we're going to continue to see that uh, uh, that will be con- continuing. I agree, and uh, it seems as though, from our experience uh, being, you know, with the boots on the ground, that this phenomena that's happening these last couple of days uh, is not something that happens for a couple of days and then reverses and goes the other way. I think that this sets, sets up a uh, cycle. Uh, that we could be seeing this going on at least for the next uh, three, maybe four months. Fantastic. You, you and I to get collectively have a pretty good story for everybody else. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we should become partners. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we already were. Uh, well, yeah. and, uh, d- deeper partners. <clears throat> oh, okay. okay. Well, maybe, Norbert... Maybe, Norbert, this is good news for Germany that has really been struggling, although I don't know how much trade Germany did with the U.K., and the exit from Brexit, will that help them or hurt them? Uh, If anything, it will allow the U.K. to make a better deal with Germany because Germany, the uh, EU basically is all about Germany. Germany wanted it because it allowed them to be able to fund the capital programs, et cetera, for many of the other EU countries. And so um, uh, the UK will come out of this better than Germany will, in, in, in my opinion. 
on the other side of it, uh, one of my associates who is uh, a, a highly trained economist uh, believes that Germany is at the point that it's, it's turning and uh, has nowhere to go but up. Uh, that uh, there, There's a lot of opportunity there. Uh, well, that's really in the rest of the world. Uh, well, you know, Germany is all about automobiles. And uh, if uh, not so much in the U.S., we've got a lot of capacity for automobiles. But around the rest of the world, they don't have as much capacity, excess capacity, as we do. So that, that could be a real plus for Germany. So, you know, I look at, uh, we've talked about the Eurozone, the U.K., uh, China. And then there's India hanging out there with a billion-plus people. Uh, they've been doing fairly well. But how do they fit in with the global economies, uh, Norbert? I know they've got some internal infrastructure problems in terms of transporting goods to seaports and the like. Are they beginning to uh, become more efficient and more effective in the global economy? Uh, what they're trying to do right now is trying to grow the domestic economy and domestic capability. Uh, and they don't want to put the investment uh, into the rest of the world until they develop their market more and develop a better consistency of Indian consumer. If they make themselves uh, reliant upon the, the uh U.S., Canada, uh, Asia market, uh, when those markets go down, they would have nowhere to go. So they're, they're looking to try to improve the, the basic domestic market within that. They still struggle. Uh, this year has been a decent year for India. As I look at it, you had uh, through 11 months uh, averaging 52.2. Uh, but that's probably a high of 54 and a low of 51. Uh, so uh, they've had steady growth, but it's uh, it's uh, very measured growth at this point. Okay. So it's interesting that they're going to then try what China has been working on, and that is to develop a healthy middle class, which I think China's got – a small number in their middle class, like four or five hundred million people. Uh, their middle <laughs> class is larger than the U.S. total market. <laughs> right. <laughs> By double. Uh, yeah. And, <laughs> no, and is uh, is India trying to head that same way then? Uh, they're already doing that. Uh, it's just that their their middle class is still. Uh, not uh, not generating the wealth that uh, that you would see out of China, possibly, or for sure the United States or Europe or whatever. Uh, so they, again, it's to their great advantage to develop a domestic market. Right, right. So Norbert, let me let me ask you a question. I think this is probably off the grid as far as your report is concerned, but. We're hearing bits and pieces uh, of this, uh, what I'm about to ask you, uh, in many different quarters. And that is about the China uh, involvement and investment into Africa. 
And uh, it seems as though we may have missed the boat on Africa, and China is taking uh, a lot of forward strides in developing Africa as a uh, as a partner uh, in de- developing further the Chinese economy. Can you speak to that yeah. Uh, point? Yeah, Lou, I can give you some impressions that I've got. Uh, I, I still believe, uh, and uh, we're, we're seeing this right now with Hong Kong, uh, the Chinese are so vulnerable politically in terms of world opinion and the world stage and, and what they can do and can't do. And uh, going in and making some of these investments in Africa, uh, did we miss out maybe on rare earth minerals or something like that? Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe, uh, but uh, you know the, the problem is when you start trying to uh, uh, create that supply chain uh, coming in and out of Africa. There is a lot of um, tribalism. Uh, there's still a, a, a lot of uh, uh, wasted energy, uh, wasted money, uh, corruption. And so you got to remember you're signing on for all of those things. And the Chinese way of dealing with that is to, to uh, uh, dictate exactly the way it's going to happen. I'm not sure they can do that with uh, the, the, Chi- the uh, African countries that are, that are trying to break out as third-world uh, players. Uh, so I, I, I won't be investing any money. Uh, in uh, those economies for quite some time. Okay. You're not going to play the African. You're not going to play the African stock market. No. <laughs> I won't even play the Chinese stock market. So uh, <laughs> you're not going to do that. Well, uh, well, they're crooked. So you know, we we'll just leave them alone for a while. Uh, so. Um, what what's your what's your further take on uh the uh china u s trade war tariff uh, i may have missed out on that in the beginning of the conversation today uh, how do you, how do you feel about that uh, i i think right now we have to feel kind of positive about it but at the same time uh those of us who've dealt with china for many years uh, would say, uh, you know, getting to an agreement with them, even though this seems like it was a tough thing to do, but getting to mm-hmm. the agreement is the easy part. Getting compliance is the hard part. Well, from and what so, I right. from what I read today, they have all kinds of uh, um, restrictions and methodologies on how to uh, make sure that they're playing the straight and narrow. Yeah, well, I'm sure they do. But at the same time, uh, uh, can they guarantee that there will be a flawless execution of all that? I don't think so. Mm. Well, I guess that's a plain wait and see. Yes. Yeah, that's uh, the so, old... You know, a year from now, if uh, they move uh, $50 billion worth of uh, ag products and uh, we don't have the problems, you know, this whole thing on uh, intellectual property uh, – what is and uh, and isn't, uh, you, you know, in, in U.S. manufacturing, uh, 
we, we've, over the years, had numerous uh, cases where one company was uh, supposedly stealing somebody else's technology, and th th those cases have al almost always become very murky as to who did what when and how much did they have and what was the value of it. Uh, uh, if we have to spend a lot of time arguing over those things with the Chinese, this agreement's not going to be worth anything to us. Right, because nobody can prove anything. Right. Yes, this is where uh, Reagan, when he uh, co-opted and adopted the old Russian proverb of trust but verify, will be very interesting to see how that plays out with the Chinese. Yeah, ideally it would work well and uh, it'll be part of a, a great relationship. Uh, you know, what, what uh, role is the WTO going to play in all this going forward? Uh, because they've been just about uh, non non uh, uh, non-existent when it comes to enforcement in the past. They've recorded it, they've booked it, and said, "Yeah, we have to work on this," and then nothing <laughs> ever happened. Oh, we didn't quit the WTO yet. Not yet. <laughs> well, that may Maybe. be a next week issue. <laughs> well, the mistake was ever letting China in the WTO. Uh-huh. <laughs> because they took advantage of that WTO uh, the, they took advantage of, of the third world provisions of the WTO to take advantage of us and that's one reason our trading balance is so uh far off. Yes, they were very clever and you're right the WTO has been quite silent although they're supposed to be the body to which you first take your issues and Trump just blew them off and went right with a trade war. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if they have any any teeth going forward. You're right about yeah. that. Well, uh, so, somebody somewhere, you know, uh, now I have no doubt that uh, uh, Mr. Lighthizer in particular has the uh, ability to uh, really get that uh, that job done. Right. So in the overall, as we as we wrap this up, Norbert, it looks to myself and probably to Lou that this is a, a as you said last month and certainly reiterated this month, a bottom. And we could start to see some fairly good numbers going into 2020. Now, I, I would look maybe the PMI, the manufacturing PMI may go from 48.1. Uh, we might hit a 50.5. Just a, a, the beginning of, uh, of, of uh, serious recovery in manufacturing. And then, of course, right, non-manufacturing, right. it's at 51.4. Or no, I'm sorry, that's Canada. Uh, non-manufacturing is, i got to look at another page. Uh, I think it's 53.9. 53.9. Yeah. And so it's still very, very solid. And, uh, uh, you know, I had... Uh, tradesman in the house yesterday doing some work and a small businessman and, and he, he just couldn't say a, a, enough good things about how well his business has done the last two years and he sees it continuing to do that and uh, he, he was uh, just very very positive 
uh, and, and to the point of hiring people and, and that type of thing. Well, Lou, I think one of your gauges is uh, the number of cars on the road and the number of people in restaurants. Yeah, there's a lot of people in restaurants, I'll tell you. My, one of my <laughs> gauges, Lou, is the Atlanta airport parking deck on how many uh, <laughs> how many uh, pickup trucks have two parking spaces instead of just one. Mm. <laughs> Well, they're going to wind up having to take up more spots because the Tesla Cybertruck that came out last week with with broken windows, um, they they took on 200,000 orders, and they only have production capabilities for a half a million for their first year. So they're halfway booked for next year, um, hopefully with better windows than what they came out with at their uh, 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 opening event. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if that went to the low bidder. Yeah, well, it certainly (laughs) didn't go to one of the guests that we had on our show that talked about the uh, coatings that they do. And, in fact, he stated on air that he could have prevented those windows from breaking with one of their coatings. So uh, it'd be interesting to see if those two touch base. But, Norbert, we... We always appreciate your overview of this report, which we encourage manufacturers get in contact with you about so that they can participate in it, because the more people that participate in it, the more accurate it becomes. So, Norbert, what's your email address that they can reach out to you? Uh, send it to uh, N-O-R-E at S-T-R-A. T-E-G-A-S, Strategas, R-P, dot com. So that's S-T-R-A-T-E-T-E-G-A-S-R-P, dot com. You can look it up on the Internet, and uh, it'll give you more information. And you can certainly find it. And I certainly offer, Tim, anybody that wants to do a trial, uh, uh, we... (laughs) People that start participating don't quit, and so if somebody wants to try a trial because they don't want to know, they they don't want to commit to something, uh, we'll be glad to do a, a couple of months trial just to show you what the value is. Sounds good to me, and we've been following your report now for quite some time, and we find it to be really quite uh, accurate and informative, and I would highly recommend it to our listeners to tune into it become a participant and get the information advance in advance of anybody else in, in the market. Uh, Norbert, thank you very much and uh, appreciate your participation with us and we're wishing you a good holiday. Thank you and same to you guys. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank, thank you. Bye-bye. And we've been speaking with Norbert Orr, who is the Director of Industry Surveys for Strategist Research Partners. He's also our senior correspondent on the 18 global surveys and the regional surveys he follows, which are the purchasing manager index numbers that are computed similar to how the ISM computes theirs because Norbert was with the ISM for a number of years and helped them prepare those. So, again, all of this information can be found at mfgtalkradio.com. And thank you for joining us for this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. Thanks for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. 
You can hear our next broadcast each Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at msgtalkradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.